This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. Well, hallelujah, family. Hallelujah. Did I just walk in the wrong door? I thought you were exalting Jesus. That was for me. Now let's hear one for the King. I've, I've, listen, I've come here enough times for you to know where my King is concerned is the big time or no time. You see, the way you introduce a person reflects the import that you put on their lives. The way you introduce and receive a person reflects how influential you think they are. That's why he would even say to you that when you receive a prophet, in the name of a prophet, you receive that which that prophet carries and the capacity that they are able to give. That's why God would say to you, when you go to a house, don't just throw out what you have to them. Check out how they receive you first. I don't know about you, but if you were looking for me to bring you something, I'm scared out there. I'm like, oh God, I'm a vessel unto honor. But I know who I want to receive right now because I know the Mr. Fix-It. I know who is able. I know who is magnificent. I know who is superior. I'm... Listen, you got to learn to do this in your bathroom. You got to learn to do it in your kitchen. You got to learn to do it in the car because our enemy is unrelentless. But I know a king who is Emmanuel, forever present. He's present, but when you receive him, he begins to manifest who he is. You may be seated. You're going to get up in a while. Let me greet my host. Thank you so much for receiving me. I don't come here as a friend anymore. I'd like you to know I've upgraded myself to family. My days of friendship are over, Pastor Tom. I'm fam, as the kids say. I'm fam, 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 fam. Am I right? Well, what an honor and a privilege to be sent here. What, a, what I count it truly, truly a privilege. I've learned never to take anything for granted. God could use anybody he called me. And he called me to a great house like you. Just to hear some of the stuff that you're doing out there is just marvelous. And I love this messengers of hope thing. I just, because hope is, a, is to bring a, a, a favorable expectation to a society that has no hope, that is in dispersal. Thank you. Now is the time to bring hope because hope deferred makes the heart sick. Things will die if the church doesn't bring hope. We are the hope of the church and we better behave like we're the hope of the church. Listen, when I go anywhere, I don't care. I've just had a meeting. We had politicians there. They may be in politics, but they don't have the answers. But I happen to be connected to the one who has the answers. I better bring hope. Because listen, if you don't bring hope, they'll be experimenting on your life. And I can't afford for anybody to experiment when I bring hope. So I salute you, sir. I salute you, Pastor Candy. I salute you for standing. You know, we take many things for granted, but not many churches are surviving right now. Not many churches can have people come. Some churches will never exist anymore because of what we've been through. Some people's lives will never be the same. 
Some people are not advancing. They are even struggling to recover from where we've been. I had COVID and I'm grateful for life. I'm grateful for every breath. I'm grateful for every moment. I'm grateful, but you know something? I'm grateful and I, I decided I'm not just being going to be grateful as a feeling. I've got to let that feeling manifest into something. So I determined I will live every moment like tomorrow is my last. I'll live every moment, but I, I had friends. I buried friends. I did funerals for friends, but God kept me alive. I did funerals for friends who were healthier than me. There must be a reason you're alive and I'm alive. There must be a reason. There must be a reason. I'm going to make it count. Thank you so much, God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to the leaders of this church. You know, I always appreciate leaders who stand behind the senior leaders. Because when they, they, are, not abs they are absent, not doing what they should do, we struggle. I thank God every day. I rush to the toilet when I have meetings. I cry a little bit and I come and I, think, I go into town and say, thank you for those you've given me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. They make me look good, by the way. <laughs> they really do. They make you look good, sir. They make you look good, uh, Pastor Candy. And they don't even realize how much influence that they bring. And, and for you as members, listen, you're the reason we're here. Thank you for being here. If you decided not to show up, there would be no pastorate. Never, ever let your pastor pray about the wrong things. You know what the wrong things are? It's not sinful things. When he's praying that the people show up. When he's people, no, seriously. When he's praying that the people connect. Why would he spend time praying where he could spend time praying for, your, for, for the Holy Spirit to fill you and use you passionately, magnificently? I don't want to waste time praying for my people to be in agreement. I don't want to waste time agreeing. Listen, I've church planted several times. There were times when I didn't know whether anybody was going to show up apart from me, the microphone and the pulpit and my Bible. Man. And I remember the day that my bishop would be coming. That's the day when me, many people would decide to be absent. So throughout the night, I'm like, here, Baba Kashaya, and I'm not praying breakthrough for the people, nor for the people's sickness. I'm just praying that they show up and be in agreement. We don't want Pastor Tom or Pastor Candy and the pastors to be doing that. We want them to take you to another level. And they can only do it with your cooperation. So keep at it, keep at it, and keep doing what you're doing. Well, happy Mother's Day. You know, happy Mother's Day. It's a day where we celebrate, I think, hope. Because mothering is, and I think Pastor Candy already alluded to it, mothering is about nurturing and perpetuating life. Sin entered the world and things became difficult in the book of Genesis. Can you imagine a mother who has one son killed the other one? The first homicide in the world. But I like mothers. We pick ourselves up very quickly. Wipe the slot of our noses. Wipe the tears of our faces. But life has to go on. And Eve knew that life had to go on. So Eve prayed to God. See, mothers are action people. They don't think things lying down. They never accept the status quo. They say, round one went to you, Satan. But watch me bounce back. You should never have touched me. You should never have stared me up. Listen, when something happens in your life, it's not time for self-pity. It's time to be provoked for another part of you that the earth hasn't been seen before to rise up again. And that's what Lady Eve did. She prayed and she said, God, round one went to Satan, but round two has to be. The answer of the tongue has to be of you and me. And God gave her another son called Enosh. And the story was different. 
And the Bible says, and men began to call on the name of the Lord again. I challenge you this Mother's Day that if you will rise and be provoked by some pain in your life, you'll be rise and be provoked by something that has happened in society. The story in our community will change. The story in our nation will change. The story in our family will change. And men will begin to call on the name of the Lord again. And the entrance of God's reign will come in a magnificent way. Because in, on Mother's Day, we don't only celebrate what has been. We welcome and celebrate what could be and must be. Because mothering hurts and make fruitful what would only remain a seed otherwise. It's powerful stuff. So I just want us to do an exercise before I get into preaching this morning. Just going to take a minute. The shout of a king is among us. The shout of a king must always be among us because we follow the king into battle. I've told you, I'm sure I told you this story before, but I'm going to just remind you because this is a practice I've begun to live in my life and I've seen a difference. You see, sometimes we want things to be fixed. They're, they're, how many of you have been through problems are facing challenges right now? How many of you have seen challenges in your family, in your community, in your nation? Okay, so a, a challenge reigns. A challenge impacts by its domination of your life. It is a king that is reigning in your life. But to, 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 to change a challenge, you have to dethrone what is the present king. That's why in Africa and in other parts of the world where developing countries, we do what is called a coup d'etat. And a coup d'etat dethrones a ruler and puts another ruler there. This morning, we're just going to dethrone something because I don't want you to be distracted by what is bothering you right now. And sometimes we may not have time. We're going to go into time of ministry in the end. I don't know how God is going to do it, but I want to take care of business right now. Some things that are bothering you. Maybe a sickness, maybe an irritant, maybe a financial problem, maybe unemployment, maybe some harassment of the enemy. However, he's bringing it. Maybe a relationship problem. You're going to, are you willing to dethrone it right now? Let me tell you a story. And so you know that David is at the end of his, his life and, um, and at the end of his life and he has promised who must take over. See, you must always know what must replace what you have. You must always know. Self-pity, I tell you, exaggerates the problem. It's not time to feel pity and recount all your problems. It's time to recount what must replace your problem. And so, David has said, I'm going to be with my father, so I'm going to die. But when I die, Solomon must replace me. But we know on his deathbed that another of his sons, his eldest son, whose name is Abimelech, be begins to ask to be enthroned. So Abimelech is put on the throne and he begins to uh, be celebrated as king. So Nathan the prophet and of course Bathsheba, David's wife, go and tell him that, listen, this is not what you promised us. This is what you showed us. You are letting the harsh man Abimelech reign. You told us Solomon is going to reign in your stead. And so he said, no, 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 no. That's not what I said. You see, the devil doesn't ask your permission before he puts himself as king of your life. Did he ask your permission, Pastor? He never asked anybody permission. He'll come in if you let him. But don't give him one moment more than he should, sitting on that throne. Not one moment, not one moment. Some of you, and I'm a person that draws a line in the sand that says enough. But when you say enough, you got to now act on it. And so David gives them, and this is why, what I'm, going, I'm, I'm, I'm alluding to, that David says, you know what? Stop complaining. Don't even fight Abimelech. What you do is you set another king to rival him. Listen to the principle I'm telling you in spiritual warfare, okay? We're so used to binding and losing and just pleading the blood. When you plead the blood, what you're saying is, I enthrone another Lord to replace the Lordship 
Lordship means honor and controlling. Sickness is controlling. Harassment is controlling. Adversity is controlling. I just want to replace it with another control. Two controls can't sit on the same throne. And so, what they, as one celebration is going on because Abimelech is king, what David gives them as a strategy is go set David as king. So they, Solomon as king. So they go and they, solemn, they set Solomon as king. And as they set Solomon as king, they begin to worship and praise God for his life. And they begin to celebrate him as king. Did I tell you the story before? They begin to celebrate him as king and exalt him as king. And they say, the king is come. God sent us a king. He's Solomon. Remember, Solomon's reign represents peace and prosperity. Peace within your walls and prosperity within your palaces. As opposed to the harassment that this one is going to bring. And so they begin to put him in reign. And they celebrate him and they celebrate him. When the people in Adonijah's camp hear the noise of celebration that's going on on the other end, they begin to ask, what's going on? As the Jamaican would say, what go on? And the people respond, another king, the real king has been sat on his throne. He's the king who brings us peace and prosperity. And the more that the shouts from Solomon's end began to go on, the more the people on the other side heard. And the more they heard and the more they asked what was going on. And the more they, told them, they were told about this king and what he brings. They took their bags and they left Adonijah's party. And guess who was settled to reign? Solomon. You've got to learn to dethrone some kings. But you can't dethrone some kings with a pity party. You can't dethrone some kings with just a little bit of wishy-washy thing. You've got to learn to enthrone another. Is somebody here till this morning, just for the next 30 seconds, ready to enthrone the King of Kings, the Lord Most High, the one who comes, who says righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, the one who comes that you might have life and have it in abundance, rise to your feet. We're going to enthrone. I want devils come to hear another enthronement. I want the enemy to hear another king, another king. Jesus is his name. Jesus is his name. Jesus is his name. That, ladies and gentlemen, was a dress rehearsal. I know me, that was an ordinary celebration. But when the king has come to liberate me, when the one has come to show me goodness and mercy, Hallelujah. When he's waiting to make a way where there seems to be no way. When he has opened doors that have been shut. When he's told me the impossibilities of my life have now changed to Akayamahanda. I gotta learn to worship. I gotta learn to replace. I gotta learn to welcome. Do I hear Jesus in the house? Jesus, 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 Jesus. What you celebrate, you attract. Jesus. Hey, rain, say rain, 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 kingdom come. So Lord, you heard it in this place. We dethrone every principality. We dethrone every power. We dethrone every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge and the will and the purposes of God for God's people. We dethrone them today and we say be enthroned. Be enthroned Prince of Peace. Be enthroned Lord Most High. Be enthroned Lord of Righteousness. Be enthroned the blessings with the blessings of God Almighty. Be enthroned. Be enthroned. Be enthroned. Be enthroned. Can I tell you something very quickly about every king that uh, is enthroned? When a king is enthroned and they are describing him, 
They say in the reign of so and so, these are what happens. Can I tell you something? The testimony of your life. In the throne, in the reign of the King of Kings. In the reign of the Lord Most High. In the reign of the one they call the Sovereign One. God, how omnipotent, omniscient, all-knowing. In the reign of the one who stretches forth his hand to do a thing. And nobody can stop it, change it, or delay it. In his reign, in your life and mine. Goodness, mercy, follow you all the days of your life. I just prophesied into your future. Now celebrate the reign one more time. He reigns. Hallelujah. You may be seated. I want you to practice this every day. This is not just for when we gather as a people. In the car, every time something, you hear some bad news, say, ha, 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 I gave you two minutes, now I'm going to dethrone you. Time's up, time's up, time's up, time's up, time's up. Well, this morning, we quickly, we got a few minutes. We quickly want to run through some lessons, about 11 lessons that we learned from Deborah, a woman after my own heart, and Jael, a woman after my own heart, to 11 lessons from the life of Deborah and Jael. And I've called it Unveiling the Journey of Transformation of Communities and Nations in Distress. So come with me, please, to... Judges chapter 5, and I'm going to read from there, the book of Judges chapter 5. I'm going to, to cut a lot story short, I'm going to tell, read from verse 6 and 7 and then fill it in the story for you. It says this, in the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were deserted. This thing actually is preceded by a song or a storytelling. I told you before, last time I was here, that we don't sing songs, we communicate in song. And I love the songs that we've, we, we've, we've, we've sung today. Fill me up, it's an invitation for the Holy Spirit. So you were actually singing, but you were communicating with melody to the Holy Spirit. And so uh, Deborah also sang the song and she's telling a story. And she's singing uh, 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 this song to the Lord and she talks about what happened to Israel. And she gets to the place where she says, in the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were deserted, and the travelers walked along the byways. Village life ceased. It ceased in Israel until I, Deborah, arose. I arose as a mother in Israel. They chose new gods. There was war in the gates. And verse 24 and 27 says, Most blessed among women is Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite. Blessed is she among women in tents. He asked for water, she gave milk. She brought out cream in a lordly bowl. She stretched out her hand to the tent peg, her right hand to the workman's hammer. She pounded Sisera. She pierced his head. She split and struck through his temple. At her feet, he sank. He fell, he lay still. At her feet, he sank, he fell. Where he sank, there he fell dead. And verse 31, the last sentence says, So the land had rest for 40 years. This is the background. Israel had stopped worshipping God. Probably a little bit like the USA and the UK where I come from, they threw prayer out of our schools. They threw righteous policy out of public life. Drug abuse was rife. Sexual immorality was rife. Human secularism. And all manner of things that oppose the... Do you realize that all, all our policies are just opposing the reign of God? 
But remember this, who rules over you is exactly what you'll get. When Satan rules in your life, the Bible says he's only capable of doing three things. He steals, he kills, and destroys. When God comes, he gives life. That's why Joshua said, as for me and my house, we know who we want to rule over us. Choose you this day, America, whom you will serve. They lived in sin and they lived in rebellion against the ways of God. They copied the ways of the nations who didn't know God. I don't have to tell you your own problems. At this time when you're paying $7 a, 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 a gallon for fuel, you should be crying. I know how you do it. You're miracle workers, all of you. We should go beyond anger to some action. So in all of this, God had given them over to a, a Canaanite king called Jabin. By the way, the word Jabin means oppressor. Whenever a nation abandons God, God releases them to the oppressor. So Jabin, and especially he's called the oppressor of the mind, of the heart, out of which life comes. Paul was right about what he said would happen in the last days. Men would be lovers of themselves and boastful. Isaiah was accurate in his assessment of the nations. Deep darkness, he said, shall cover the earth. Deep darkness, the people. In the midst of this dire word of prophecy and woe, the prophet brings hope and responsibility to the church in Isaiah 60. He says, but the Lord shall arise upon thee. You see, even for things to change, God has to arise. The Lord shall rise as the sun does. The sun changes everything. It brings light to darkness. It causes things to grow again. It turns cold to heat. We can reach people beyond current realities and brings God's prophetic purposes to pass. We know God will help us supernaturally if we rise to the task. But until we rise, nothing happens. God sent the wind and the rain to help Deborah. When the crisis we are facing is over and things stabilize, I came to ask you this morning, what kind of person will you be? What kind of person will you be? Will the Lord whose you are and whom you serve be proud of you or disappointed in you? Will he be proud of your actions or the lack of it? So let's watch Deborah. She says in De 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 Deborah chapter, uh, uh, so what she does is Deborah, uh, in the midst of all this calamity, she decides that she's going to do something about it. At this time, she's a, she's a wife of Mr. Lapidoth and she's a prophetess. People come to her and she gives counseling and direction and she's a wise leader in her community. But she, at this time, she goes to God and, and seeks answers for her community, for her people. And God tells her to tell a guy called Barak to assemble in Mount Tabor and go to war there. Because he's going to cause uh, the enemy Jabin and his people to uh, 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 congregate at a place called um, uh, uh, the River Kishon. Now you've got to remember Jabin has 900 chariots and Israel hasn't got that many. They, haven't, they don't actually use those things. And so it looks like it's game set for Jabin to win again. But Deborah tells Barak, Barak says, I'm not going to go without you. And Deborah says, because you are not willing to trust the Lord, the Lord's going to give you victory, but the glory is going to go into a woman. They go to war, and God causes them to win. But then how do they win? Sisera, who is the commander of the army for Jabin, runs to a, a place called uh, Keba. He runs to 
the people. He has a, a good friend there. When he gets there, his friend is not there, but his friend's wife is there. And she welcomes him in. She covers him with a blanket. She gives him milk to drink, I guess, milkshake, whatever it is, yogurt, whatever. She gives him food to eat. She, she, she's, you know, she's just doing to the Macy's sale. She's redecorated the guest room. She gets him comfortable. And when he's sleeping, she puts a, a hammer and a nail to his head and kills him. And then Barak arrives and she says, that's your man. He's dead. And God gives her the glory. So this is the background. This is why um, Deborah sees what she says. But you see, Deborah says, in the days of Shanga, son of Enoth, in the days of Jael, the highways were deserted. The travelers walked along the byways. Village life seized them. She's very observant. She cares about her community. It's about time. You can't just live life caring about your own life. You're going to care about what happens around you. She cares about her community. She makes it her business to know. She observes. She's conscious of what's going on. And in that consciousness, she's provoked to do something. So if you're going to be somebody that God fills and uses, you've got to be informed. Keep abreast of the facts. Deborah knew the hot spots and the trouble areas in her community. You were created for influence and impact. But you can't impact what you don't know, nor are focusing on. You see, she has a vision for a particular, specific situation in her community. Today, did you just sing a song about God filling you and using you? Or do you have a vision for a particular thing in your community? Do you have a vision for a particular thing in your church? Do you have a vision for a particular thing going on in your family? We've got to know our neighbors. You know, Pastor Tom, I was in a, in a, in a leaders um, a conference once and we were, I was also a speaker and one of the leaders was asked to talk about what's going on in the crisis. He brought a photograph of his neighborhood. He put it up there. He said, you see number 13. He told us what was happening in number 13. He told us what was happening in number 15. He told us what was happening in number 17. I was so ashamed because I didn't know what was happening in number 10, number 9, number 13. Do you know? You want God to use you, but you don't care about the things that God cares about you. You know what I say. Not you, only those who didn't come today. I'm serious. We want God to use us. He told us everything that was going on. So when he goes to God, he goes to God for specific solutions. God is about to unload some specific solutions. If you can be bothered to care, you don't have to care about the whole world. Just care about what's around you. What about your business area? We don't even know what's going on in our church. Hey, we pray for the church. How do you pray? How do you pray? One thing is certain. Neither of these women were apathetic towards the circumstances their communities were facing. You can't serve a people you don't know. By the way, you can't also win a people you don't know. Part of the strategy for soul winning comes when we know what is happening. Jesus knows what's happening with Peter. So he solves Peter's business problem. And suddenly he's got the man's soul. May the Lord open your eyes to see what you didn't see before. May the Lord put something in your heart to care about what you didn't care about before. You're going to be just excited how God unloads things for you. Because God is a redemptive God. The word redemption means to buy back from loss. Every time things are damaging, every time things are going, are being lost. He redeems it. He moves to secure it so they are not destroyed. And let me say this, there is no hiding till the storm is over. You can't say, John, God, just keep me until crisis is over. It doesn't work that way. In the midst of the crisis, you come out because that's where you're going to find your glory. 
So number one, you cannot remain apathetic. She cares. Deborah cares. Number two, Deborah challenges us to rise up at this time. She said, arise. In the midst of the crisis, it's not time to hide. It's the time to show up. It's time to overthrow the oppressor who oppresses or controls you. If we do nothing, we have nothing. And in the words of Mordecai to Esther, don't think you'll get away with anything. Anything you don't deal with. I love prison ministry and I recently did a research on prisons and I realized in the UK it cost us maybe like 46,000 pounds for a prisoner every, every, every month to be kept. Then I realized what is it that is keeping our young men in prison? What is it that is causing that revolving door? And I went back and I realized most of the men and women that are in prison came from dysfunctional families. When we neglect social and family, we produce a certain kind of person. Then most of them lack education. When we neglect education, we create a certain kind of person. Then most of them came from, you know, fatherless homes. When we neglect fatherhood and proper motherhood, you create a certain kind of problem. And so the problem goes on and on. It's never one thing. Anything you neglect right now is going to cost you. You know what bothered me most of all? 120-something thousand pounds is spent on a prisoner per annum, and that's my taxpayer's money. That could have been used to do something else. Do the roads, do the hospitals, do other things. Well, I came to tell you, you have a choice this morning. You neglect what's going on in your community. One way or other, it'll come and bite you. But not on my watch. Look at your neighbor and say, not on my watch. You see, arising is a weapon God uses. As soon as we arise, we partner with God and set some divine awesome things in motion. Arising will provoke and invite heaven to do something only heaven can do. Wow, all God is asking you is a rise. You don't know what God will do through you. But don't you love adventure? Hey sis, don't you love adventure? I do. I wake up in the morning, I rub my hands and say, God, who are we going to see? And my whole prayer revolves around it. I was in a nation recently and I was a prophet friend of mine and I'd been praying for years to be able to meet the minister of economics or of finance, the guy who controls all of the finance. Pastor, I prayed. I almost gave up. On the last day, by eight or nine in the night, I had a call saying, you better get over to the minister's house now. Yes! It's amazing. When you avail yourself to be used of God, when you rise up, God will take you places that eye has not seen, ear has not heard, and neither has it entered into your heart. Aren't you bored with your life? Get into an adventure with God. When Deborah arose, she became so influential. Even people disconnected to her like jail had their gifts stirred up and found their purpose. You don't know what you can do till you arise. You have no idea what your capacity is until you arise. Become influential. What does it mean to arise? It's to get out of your comfortable and convenient situations. It's to get up and leave the place of rest or sleep, to rise from the bed, to get up or move from any recumbent or erect position, to get up from a seat, to leave a sitting posture and say, I want in on the act, I want some action. Anybody say, I want some action? Say to God, I want some action and I want it now. It's to be excited or roused into action. It's to be kindled or inflamed with passion. It's to spring up, to grow up. I'm telling you, I tell God every day, I, I sing, God, whatever you're doing on this earth, don't do it without me. I want some action. I want in on this. 
Now, I don't have time to tell you my stories. You see, encounters are personal, but never private. You just had an encounter with God today. How many of you had an encounter? I was backstage. I had an encounter. We could have just gone. Uh, it seems like you and, I, you and God were just tangoing together. Encounters are personal things between you and God, but they are never private. Because every time you have an encounter with God, you do an about 10. It's an about time you give out to the public. Isaiah Soga. An encounter produces revelation of God. It also produces a revelation of who you are. I said, oh, I'm an unclean person. I live. And then a, a, a revelation of your community. I live among unclean people. Immediately, God sanctifies him. Then God says, I've got some work for you to do. Are you going to go? You don't believe me. Peter has an encounter with Jesus, breakthrough in his business. And the next thing Jesus says is, I've got work for you to do outside. You don't believe me. Paul has an encounter, knocked off his, his horse, his donkey. And the next thing God does is, I'm going to send you to kings, to Gentiles. To, I could go on and on. Moses had an encounter, burning bush, leprosy, snakes, stuff. Stuff that you could only dream of. And God doesn't finish the encounter there. He says, I've got work for you to do. Peter, James, and John have an encounter. They see Jesus. They see the transfiguration. They see Moses and Elijah. And they immediately want to pack there and build an altar. And say, God says, uh-uh. I just showed you this to empower you. Now go out and do my work. Your encounter doesn't stop in this place. It starts when you go out there. <laughs> Encounters are personal, but never private. Crisis and deadlocks, when they okay, have at least disadvantage. They force us to think. We think about us. We think, what do I do? Who is God? Who is my community? What am I supposed to do? Because in the day of crisis like we're having in Debrahad, God invites each one of us to respond by doing work he has given us to do. We are not in a waiting period. Your personal destiny is awaiting your action in your assignment. Let me give you an alert. You need to be obedient. Obedience is not convenient. It will cost you something. Are you prepared for the cost? When you face pain today, what do you do? Do you run and hide and hope it will go over? Or do you turn it back and say, God, I will use it for your glory? There is a certainty of God in our crisis. One day he told me, Cecilia, you worry too much about things. Especially things that have gone on for a long time. I got there before the problem got there. My name is Ancient of Days. I don't know who you believe this morning, but my name, his name is Ancient of Days. He can handle this one too. You know what I'm saying. He can handle this one too. And you know, he, he, he warred with the frogs. He warred with wind. He warred with water. In Deborah's case, uh, he said, you know what? How they overcame this thing, how they won. God, Deborah sings and she says, the moon and the stars, they fought in the heavens. How did they do? There was atmospheric conditions that were changed. Remember where Sisera and his army was, was near the river. But they had chariots. They thought they had manpower. They thought they had numbers. They thought they had technology on their behalf. I don't care what Putin does. I know a God who can. I don't care who arises as an oppressor. I know a God who can. Listen, they thought they had the upper hand, but and then he got, that's why God told, that's why you must listen to God in the midst of everything. He told his people, you go hide, you go wait in the mountains, not to hide, but this is how you must be positioned. And then when God sent the wind and the atmospheric conditions changed, rain began to pour down. And when rain began to pour down, the river began to overflow. And when the river began to overflow, it overflowed these banks and the chariots were no good because they couldn't move. 
Who is like unto you, O God? Who is like unto you? Among the gods of the heathen, who can't compare with you? Glorious in holiness, fearful in praise. The God who doeth wonders. This is the God on our, on our side. You know, I don't have time, but you know, we always say he's able. The word able means superior to everything that you face. He is quite superior. Deborah is convinced God will show up and show himself strong when we arise. God did, and he fought for them, and they won. Arising is the only thing God's only got you to do. I don't know whether you use the phrase here, but my daughter tells me always, you know, I can't remember her birthday sometimes, she, and I've only got one. And then she said, Mom, all you had was one job. Well, I came to tell you, if you're listening to me, God says all you have is one job. Arise. Arise. Just one. Just one. Then she says, you know, she begins to recount what is happening in the times. Village life seeds. Terrible things are happening. You must know. Our theme is now is the time. You must know the times and the seasons. There's an X season, which is a natural season. This is a hot season. This is a cold season. Then there's Kronos season, which is dates and times, which is March and April. Then there's something we call the Kairos season. The Kairos season is an opportune time to do something. It means that all of heaven is lined up waiting for an alignment from the earth. It means that Kairos moments are redemptive moments. That is a setup moment and all all it needs is action from you. You don't have to do anything. Ephesians chapter 5, Paul says this. He says, don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit and know what the will of God is. I always tell this. One of the things that provoked me to know the timing of the Lord was God. Jesus began to weep over a city. He says, if only Jerusalem, you knew your times and your seasons. If you knew how heaven has moved and if you knew the time that earth or hell is going to move in. And, and you know what? One day Jesus went to Gadarenes and when he, he, he met there, a man who was filled with demons, the demons said to Jesus, what do you want to do with us now is not our time and Jesus had no uh, he couldn't destroy them they said this is not time to be destroyed therefore move us into those pigs and even Jesus had to listen to what they were saying I'm thinking if demons know their timing Celia's got to know their timing do you know your timing do you know your timing? It's time. It's time. See, time means God has situated himself in a place of advantage. If this moment goes, it will take a while before another moves in like that. But God will always find somebody to do his thing. When he tells you to arise, he's giving you an instruction because of the time. God's instructions reveal where God is currently positioned in respect to your circumstances. So move on. We live in a VUCA world, volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. But there's a God who has already moved on in that timing. His grace upon you is different right now. God will always match you with power and wisdom concerning the time. You are not moving in an old order. He said in Isaiah 33 verse 6, wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times. In other words, when you see times like this, ask God for wisdom. He said, I'll fill you with knowledge. I'll show you what to do. I'll show you how to do it. In, timing is also important because in Zechariah 10, he says this. Ask for rain at the time of rain. Don't pray amiss. Even your prayers have to do with timing. There are sometimes you're asking for rain. God said, it's not time for rain. But he said, recognize when it's time for rain. And the moment, when he says, ask for rain, in other words, you are not petitioning God to send rain. You're commanding rain to come that has been held up in the heavens. I wonder what your prayers look like. Are you commanding? There are some prayers that we pray up as supplications and petitions. Then there are some prayers we pray, we pray down as decrees and declaration. I came to tell you, when time is up, you pray prayers down. And the earth, obeys what you're praying down because you're not petitioning. You're not begging God to do anything. Time is up. 
God is looking for some people to move in. Listen, the men of Issachar had understanding of the times and of the seasons. The word Issachar means donkey, servant. They are serving. They are accomplishing something. They knew it. And they, they knew what Israel ought to do. They were engaged. Actually, Issachar also means a reward, a compensation. God says, I will use you to reward people. I will use you to benefit the lives of people. But you have to know what you're doing. I want to quickly, another thing is create your until moment. Number four, they are game changers. And until is a game changer. She said, things remain the same until I arose. Know your game-changing moment. There's an until. What does your until look like? Until open only happens when you move. Nothing will change until somebody does something. It's the power of recognizing that something can be done to turn the tide of events and moving towards. He says, I arose. What is your until? Stop complaining about things and realize that you can make an until. Until means something stops and something else happens. Number five, what will you arise as? She arose as a mother. She arose as a nurturer. You know, the thing is this, Deborah always used to lead from the front. She used always to give direction. This time, she decided to empower others. This time, she said, I'm not going to do everything for you. I'm going to come by your side. I'm going to cheer you on. Maybe, and every one of us can do this. We can always cheer somebody on. We can always pray for somebody. We can always provide for somebody. We can always hold somebody's hand. Everybody can do something. We can always be present for somebody. You know, she said, there's an until. And time does not allow me to unpack that more. But this is where I want to go as, as, I, as I'm winding down. He says, God knows those who helped and those who didn't. I read from verse 14. Then God, sorry. I read from verse 14, 514. He says, from Ephraim, there were those who were in Amalek. After you, Benjamin, with your people, they all joined with her. And from Zebulun, those who bear the recruiter's staff. And the princess of Issachar were with Deborah. God wrote a note of everybody who joined in the battle. Everybody who joined in the help. But he also noted those who didn't. Where do you belong? Let me ask you, are you listening to me? Are you still with me? Yes. Where do you belong? In the notification of, in the assembly, or in the register of those who did or those who didn't. He said this, among the divisions of Reuben, there were great resolves of heart. In other words, Reuben says, I want God to use me. Yes, I'm going to be used of God. Yes, God, I want to do something for you. He said, they just spoke and they didn't do anything. They wished and they didn't do anything. God even describes how they were feeling. He says, why did you sit among the sheepfolds to hear pipers? You were listening to music. You were watching television when war was going on. The divisions of Reuben have great searchings of heart. He says, now think about your own heart. Let your conscience bother you. Gilead stayed behind the Jordan. Why did Dan remain on ships? Why are you outside of the battle? Why are you not doing what you're supposed to be doing, she says. Zebulon is a people who jeopardize their lives to the point of death. Naphtali also, God constantly, he did this in the book of Nehemiah. He wrote down particularly those who helped. He did this in the book of Ezra. He wrote down those who helped. And he said amongst the other tribes, these are the people that never put their hands to the wall. I don't want to be found in the other list. I want to be found in this other list. She didn't care who gets the glory. When you don't care who gets the glory. You see, a rose doesn't have to be seen to be smelt. I don't have to hold a microphone for my effects. Because you don't know what I've been doing all night. You don't, if I don't tell you, you don't know how my eyes could not sleep. But I was, for your breakthrough. 
My reward comes. Remember, Issachar is a servant. It's a reward to somebody. Don't you want to stand before God? Don't you want God to say, because of what she did, look where you are. You don't need to be front line for people to know as long as you're doing something. The thing I like about Deborah is this. She put her action where her mouth was. Don't be like Reuben, wishing, telling everybody how you want to be filled, shouting the loudest, fill me up! And not doing anything about the fill up. What will it take? She gives credit where credit is due. She celebrates others' achievements. So finally, I want to talk about jail very quickly. It takes all sorts and every kind of person to bring in the victory. The thing about jail is this. She's standing in her own house. Do you know her weapons of war? I told you, Deborah's weapon of war was her eyes. Do something. Challenge the status quo. And even if you don't know what to do, just say, God, I'm ready for action. Change your posture. Go to somebody and say, what can I do? Plenty of work in this church. Right now, part of my ambition is to raise intercessors for churches, for streets. There must be an intercessor in every McDonald's, in every Chick-fil-A, in every cruise ship. There must be an intercessor in every police station, in every hospital, in every prison, in every bus stop, on every tram. There must be an intercessor in every mall. There must be somebody staring up the heavens, provoking the earth, challenging, dethroning for some breakthrough to come in every school. On every school run, I don't care if you go round and round and pray for everybody. I sit on a plane. There must be an intercessor on every plane, on every train. What are you doing? Join with somebody. Ask the Lord, what would you have me do? Remember, a rose doesn't have to be seen to be smelt. And we don't want to see you necessarily. We don't want to smell the fragrance of the beauty that you bring. And Paul calls Jesus. He says, will you bring the fragrance of Jesus? God uses ordinary people. So this woman, all she has as a weapon is... A jug of yogurt, maybe strawberry, maybe vanilla, I don't know. She has a guest room and she has a husband's toolbox. God puts that story in to let you know you don't have to go to Bible school first. You don't have to be ordained first. In fact, when we ask God to use us, it is in the ordinariness of our day that effectiveness comes. What have you got in your hands? You see, you are looking, oh God, if you only anoint me. He said, but I gave you a rod. Have you noticed throughout scripture, everybody God used all of those miraculous things whereby a girl, a little child's lunchbox, as long as you're able to give it up to God, he can use it. Do you know she took a risk? Paul, Moses' rod, an everyday thing. She took a risk. Peter's boat, an everyday thing, and a net, an everything thing. That brought uh, uh, breakthroughs for some businesses. She took a risk. She could have been overpowered by this warrior, but she believed God. What have you got in your hand today? What is it that you are discounting and disclaiming, but that is so ordinary? God wants to use the ordinariness of your day. He wants to use the ordinary things that you have to bring it in as long as you give it to him and say, this is all I have, but use it for your glory. Number two, God's going to use what you already have in your possession. Don't say, he said to everyone, Peter said, is given a gift. Use it to be a blessing. Don't say it's too small or too ordinary. And finally, jail is prepared for eventualities. How have you been preparing yourself? She was waiting at the door for the enemy to show up. She wasn't afraid to go against public opinion. And the thing I want to stress to you about jail is the priorities of her life. 
The fact of, the, a priority is the fact of condition of being regarded or treated as more important than others. And I love this definition of, a, of, of priority. The right for something to proceed before other traffic. Can I repeat that? When you say something is in priority, it's, it's that you give it the right to proceed before other things. Are you giving God the right to proceed before other things? He says, uh, what? Seek ye first as a priority the kingdom of God and its affairs and all other things shall be added. In your life, there'll be many things that contest for your time, your energy, your money, your focus and your resources. You are the only one who can decide what is priority. Esther decided her continued comfort, convenience and protection from the king, as desirable as they were, could not have priority over what was at stake. The crisis in the nation neither cancels nor postpones my stewardship mandate. Crisis demands that you rise up, be led of the Lord. Don't wait for the occasion. It's called the law of use. The more you use it, the more it increases for you. We need the zeal of the Lord. I believe this woman had zeal. The Bible says it clothed her like a garment. She rose up in strength and in passion. She took the risk of saying, if I perish, I perish. But this opposition, this oppressor, this thing might die. She utilized the opportunity. Opportunity is when God sets everything up for you to step in. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, we live in what we call opportune times. These are the days when the mantle and the mandate of God will be seen because the darker the days are, the more light is needed. These are days of opportunity. She waited. She had all of these things, but the things she had never had meaning until the right guy showed up. Suddenly, the little thing she had took on gigantic purposes because she harnessed the opportunity. Ephesians 5 says, Know the will of God. Maximize the opportunity. Every single day. Yesterday, uh, uh, my friend, was, Regina, was telling me about the maximizing of an opportunity. You never know where that would lead. Is there anybody here who says this? Lord, I don't even know what my opportunities look like. Lord, I don't even know where to start. Lord, I don't even know how I can arise. But one thing I know is this. I am willing. Is there anybody in the house? Remember, a rising starts with just a decision. Just a decision for God. I'm going to ask Pastor Candy to come up this morning. Just a decision for God. Remember, the timing is ripe. God has already moved into situation. God wants to bring the victory. All he was looking for was for somebody to rise up. You're here, you can do something. You can do something for God. Everybody can. You're a manager. God can use you to create room for employment. You're one who understands young people. God can use you to redeem them from oppression. If you don't have them, drugs will have them. Then you'll have to solve the problem and your taxpayers' money is going there. Why does the church always sit back for things to spoil and then redeem? That's not the way of God. God puts us ahead. So that we know what's coming so that we can solve it. I'm sick and tired of repairing what I could have stopped. 
And we've got to stop doing those prayers. We've got to always on the back foot. But I'm ready. I want to be at the head of things. I want to be at the head of things. Pastor Candy, time does not permit me to tell stories. I've realized anything I ask, Pastor Tom, I'm asking for Jagula. I'm in a nation and I'm saying, God, the nation is having elections. It's a third world nation and I know war and battle can, civil war can break out. So in the madness of only Celia, I go on my knees and God, I said, I want to speak to the kingmaker, the one who decides who wins elections in this nation. And I pray and I pray and I, hit, I find out what the number is and I call that person and they don't answer and I call them and they don't answer and I text and they don't answer and I go back to headquarters and I said, I've already drawn the line. I'm a rising God and I'm not backing down. I'm not giving up. I'm not backing off. To God, you do something. Then I call again person picks up the phone and I say, do you know you are handling things on behalf of God? Every decision that you make in this place will affect the future of not just this place, but the continent of Africa. Do you know that the Bible says this and this and this? I had an educative time with that person. The elections went smoothly. I'm sure it wasn't just me. I'm sure God had others like me, but I wonder what would have happened if I didn't do what I did. Wonder what you will happen. If you don't do what you should do, please do. And that nation had peace. Today I can look back and say, I don't have to pray for God to stop the war in that nation. Now I can pray for God to heal the economy. I can go on to other different things. I can pray for revival for that nation. I can pray for reformation for that nation. I can pray for God to be exalted in that nation. But one thing I don't have to pray is bloodshed in that nation. Are you ready? Is somebody ready in the house? If somebody said, I'm ready to do something with that infilling, I invited you. Is somebody ready to say, God, I want to take exciting risks with the Holy Ghost. If somebody say, now is the time, Satan, I give you notice. Because whenever you arise, it's another notice to Satan. I said to the woman yesterday, when you see Satan snapping at your jaws, snapping at your heels, worrying your family, it's called a distraction. He wants you to give up. He beats you up till you can't hold on anymore. But it's too late because there's something inside of me that's already fired up. There's something inside of me that's already been provoked. There's something inside of me that's greater than everything that outside of me. There's something inside of me that wants more than I've ever experienced. There's something inside of me that said, what if, Celia? What if, 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 what if God was to answer you? What if when Deborah arose, she didn't know how far, she didn't know that the wind was waiting, she didn't know that the stars were waiting. Arise! 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 Arise in your spirit. Arise in your finances. Arise in your time. Arise in your energy. Anybody willing? Today, I didn't come here to teach. I came here to provoke. It's a cry for war. Are you going to be like Reuben? Are you going to be like the other tribes? Day nights listening to music in the opera and there's warfare going on you know what happened to David when there was warfare going on he was looking at things he shouldn't look at his whole destiny was ruined today ladies and gentlemen because when you arise 
It is not your job to say I'm inadequate. It's not your job. Here I am. Just as I am, I come. But I told God, don't ever say you can't find anybody. Because I'm here. Are you ready? I'm telling you just by the movement of your eyes. Just like Deborah arose, the until changed history. In other words, the status quo will always remain and multiply until somebody says until. I know where Pastor Candy wants to take this, but right now, right here, we're shifting some things with our eyes. I want you front and center right now. I want you running right now. I want you running right now, front and center. You say, God, I don't know how you're going to do this. I'm going to ask you to come forward. You, you want God to use you right now. You say, God, my family needs me. God, the boys on my streets, in my street corner, they need me. I don't know how. All I know is I want to, I want to, I want to. I don't even know what you're sitting there for. But I know that I want to be used of God. I know that I have a desperate need. I know that something is crying inside of me. <laughs> I know that I'm saying how long I know that at night I'm saying God the problem is big and it's only Celia I can barely get my English right I may not understand everything of the spirit but God I can say but God I can reach out with one hand and I can reach out to earth with another and I can bring the solutions of heaven back together with the needs of the earth are you there are you there I'm still waiting just come forward I'm still forward just forward you see when you present yourself it's God's job to fill you up he doesn't fill up everybody who says fill up until you're ready to do something even the way some of you your families are going to be restored and by that family being restored it'll be a weapon of righteousness it'll be a weapon that that defeats dysfunctionality there are people gonna be coming to you there are people you're gonna be like Deborah the moment you get your arising right JL is also gonna be rising up in some drag invested place. Somebody's business that is gone bust is going to find hope again. Somebody's going to do something about something. I'm still waiting for the rest of the people that are like Reuben that just sang a song but are not ready to act. I just want, if you're here already, I want you to talk to God. You didn't come to me. You came to offer yourself. You walked away to say I rise. You walked away to say I'm no longer ready to sit back and watch things happen. I will action things. I will provoke things. I'm a catalyst for change. I'm a catalyst for change. I'm a catalyst for change this morning. I'm a catalyst for change. I don't know how. I don't know when. But I'm willing, Jesus. Somebody say, I'm willing, Jesus. Why don't you talk to God? I have nothing to give you. But here's everything. God responds to your action. God responds to your willingness. Whatever level you're at, trust you me, He can take you to another level. I told you this before. Pastor Tom, I'm praying. I want to raise three presidents before I die. Hiya, Mahala Koro. This is a girl from Africa. I don't know how, but I'm willing. I'm willing. And surely if God can't find anything and he found a donkey, he can't find Celia somewhere because she's willing. That's all you've got right now. Your willingness. That's all God needs right now. Your willingness. 
He will transform you in your heart. Some of you, you're going to be praying like you've never prayed. When you open your mouth, you're going to delve into the mysteries of God like never before. Some of you are going to have promotions because God ought to situate you. He will situate you for effective impact. He will situate you. You're waiting for some money. Money will not come till you're ready to do something for that money. You're waiting for your influence. Influence will not come until God is ready to do something with some influence that you allow him to. If you don't, the devil will. But I know which side I'm on this morning. Say, I'm willing. I'm willing. I'm willing. I'm willing. I'm willing, Pastor Charles. I'm willing. This morning, let heaven hear the cry of the earth. We're willing. We're willing. We're willing. If this ministry is making an impact in your life, why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today? You can give through our CLC app or at clcftl.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this. Now go and be messengers of hope.